in a world where most people watch movies and then forget about them. These brave heroes join forces to watch them again and then talk about them. Join them in their epic journey as they go back in time, a decade and beyond, to revisit and break down films from a vast array of genres. Do these movies hold up over time? Are they classics? Find out on Retro Movie Roundtable. Starring your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Destin Melbarnes, Nathan Lutz, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable, the podcast where we watch movies and then talk about them. I'm your host, Chad Robinson, and joining me today, third time on the podcast, Lizzie Haynes. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. And have an extra special guest. It is Ladies Night once again. It's one of our favorite nights. Joining us for, I don't know, this is going to be, this is number three, you think? My my lovely wife, Sarah Robinson. Hi. <laughs> I have I have conned her once again into joining the podcast. I'm not sure why. Because <laughs> I am incredibly lazy, and when asked to do something, I find the person within six feet of me. And I can't say no. <laughs> it's a it's a winning combination. <laughs> it's been a fun combination. You can check out. Runaway Bride, Sleepless in Seattle. This is your fourth. No, I didn't do Sleepless in Seattle. I just watched the movie with you. You did it with Russell. Mm. Yeah, it's out there. Oh, yeah. She doesn't listen to our own show. <laughs> and Emperor's New Groove. And Emperor's New Groove. Yes, so this is This too. is number four and number three, respectively. We're going to start off with our warm-ups. We've got a romantic animation classic type movie going on today. You may find yourself kissing a few frogs to find a certain prince. What movie is it you thought was not going to be good, but when you sat down and gave it a chance, you liked it? I'm going to say The Lost City with Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock. So do you guys ever have those nights where you're just scrolling endlessly? Like you open up every single app to figure out what you're going to watch that night. And it just, like, you end up just kind of picking, like, a throwaway movie, being like, this movie's not going to be any good, but at least it'll pass the time. Yes, The Voices with Ryan Reynolds was that movie for us. (laughs) So I picked that movie, and uh, we picked The Lost City. And I'm happy to report it really was not bad. Um, I have seen way worse from Sandra Bullock. She's made some stinkers. And so um, this was actually really good. It was very cute. And Brad Pitt's cameo is hilarious. And I have to say, like, I I was pretty pleased. It was a solid rom-com. Yeah, great, great. Sarah? Yes? What's, what's a movie that has no business being good but wound up being good for you? Well, as some may have figured out, my significant other may or may not love horror, and I do not. A little bit. <laughs> so I would say probably... One one of the horror movies, um, probably the two that come to mind would either be uh, Zombieland or Cabin in the Woods. Those are two of them that he's forced on me that I didn't mind in that genre quite as much. I tend to lean toward the rom-coms or the animated instead of the horror. So, 
<laughs> I mean, there's romance in Zombieland. It's it's a perfect love story. Which that's true. Yeah, Emma Stone. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Wichita and Columbus. It's it's yeah, right up there right. with Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, for for me, I I think it's one of those movies we went to Redbox and they were out of just about everything we wanted to see, so we rented the movie Tag, and that is an extremely stupid concept of just adults that play tag. It's apparently based on a true story. And it had no business being as good as it was. I I've th- seen that. Yes. With Jason Bateman, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Very funny. <laughs> and Jeremy Renner with CGI arms because they were broken during the filming of that movie. You know, there you go. We'll, ha- we'll have a deep yeah, dive. A, <laughs> <laughs> it's more about tag than I knew. Yeah, we'll have a deep dive on that movie here in about seven years. Count on it. I think it's a 2019, <laughs> something like that. All right. What's, what's the last movie you saw, Lizzie? I don't know if this counts because I fell asleep, but I watched last night uh, with my husband. We watched uh, Uncharted with um, Tom Holland, yes, and Mark Wahlberg. And I'm actually really bummed that I fell asleep during it because I really liked it. But I just have a rule that I can't start movies past 9 p.m. Like I just I will fall asleep no matter how riveting. Just I can't I can't do it. Are you guys familiar with the games? Like, does that work? Because Mark Wahlberg did not work for me in that casting. I am a solid Mario gal. So, like, (laughs) Mario, Donkey Kong, like, anything from, like, a a Nintendo 64 era, like, I've got you. But anything outside of that, like, I'm completely out. So I had no idea. You, I never would have known it was based on a video game. Oh, okay. Well, that's for the yeah. best. That's probably the best yeah. for <laughs> But I do like Mark Wahlberg, but I can't see him without thinking of that one comedy skit that's just like, say, how do you mother for me? Did you ever see that? Where <laughs> yes. Say, how do you mother for me? Yes. What's the last movie that you saw? I have not seen a lot lately, and so I kept trying to remember what the last one was. I think it was when we watched Cars. Cars, yes. Yeah, we've seen that way too many times. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the number one request in our household due to our six-year-old. I mean, that's that's her wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Absolutely non-threatening. I went with the threatening movie, though. Unsurprising, I went with a horror movie, the new movie Prey that's out on Hulu. Uh, uh, it's the Predator continuation. It's kind of a return to form. I... After two really bad movies, especially the one with Olivia Munn and uh, 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 Peel from uh, uh, Key and Peel, yeah, or uh, not Peel, sorry, uh, Key and Michael Key, I completely messed it up. Yeah, that one is really really bad. So Prey was great, and it's right up there with Predator, still the best, but. Predator 2 and Prey, they're about equal. So today we've already talked about frogs. Lizzie, do you want to tell us what movie we're going to be covering? We are going to be talking about Disney's The Princess and the Frog. Excellent. We don't get enough animated movies. This is from 2009. It's starring Annika Nani Rose, Bruno Campos, Keith David, Michael Leon Woolley, Jim Cummings, and John Goodman has a budget of $105 million. It grosses $76 million, so that's not great. 
place in the box office is 41. Just ahead of it was Where the Wild Things Are, and just behind it, we mentioned it, Zombieland, which underperformed, I think. The number one movie that year was Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, speaking of Marky Mark. Mm -hmm. This was originally intended to release on Christmas Day, but was pushed forward two weeks to avoid competing with Alvin and the Chipmunks. But the Squeakwool, sorry, not even the original. So they were threatened by the Squeakwool. Here's what they went up against. Avatar, which went on to make nearly half a billion dollars by the end of 2010. So that was a fantastic decision. Uh, 7.1 IMDb rating. Critics give it an 85%. Audience is a 74%. It's nominated for a bunch of Academy Awards, Best Animated Feature, Best Original Song. Randy Newman gets two of them for Almost There and Down in New Orleans. And it became the first Disney animated feature film to receive more Academy Award nominations than just one since 1995's Pocahontas. Nominated for Grammy Awards, Golden Globes, Saturn... And the very prestigious Teen Choice Award for Animated Movie. Lizzie, have you seen The Princess and the Frog before? If you had, did you like it? What were your expectations coming around to it this time? I had seen it before. I gotta be honest, I can't even remember the first time that I saw it. Normally I feel... Like any movie that I truly love, I can remember exactly where I was when I first saw it. This, I cannot, but I really do love it. For a long time, this was a staple in my house. My son, like me, is very into The Shadow Man. So uh, (laughs) this was like a constant in our house for a couple of years until he started to become afraid of The Shadow Man. And then... Princess and the Frog was banned for a while after that. So it's been quite a few years. So I was excited to pick it back up and I got to watch it with my son. You know, it hit just as hard as the solid Disney movie, truly. Absolutely. Sarah, when did you first see it? I first saw it with you. I I, I think we watched it at home. I don't think we saw it in the theaters. And I've always been a Disney nut. And it was right right after we got married, and or shortly after, and I was trying to take a cool from watching all the animations, and Chad was the one that pushed us to watch it. <laughs> <You're darn right. laughs> he was the one that wanted to see it, um, and I enjoyed it then, and 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 I still in, enjoy it. Um, we do not get to watch it with our child. Um, <laughs> She's seen it. <laughs> she has, but she's afraid of Shadow Man. Yeah. <laughs> and all He's the a little scary. <laughs> yep. Cars is a safe choice. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah, I, that's why she likes it. <laughs> I resent it. Kids have way too many safe choices now. Like our, <laughs> really? our childhood, at least one important person was dying just traumatically. Yeah. Yes, Ur- always. Ursula's terrifying. People are getting turned into shrimp. Yeah. You've got a lady trying to kill dogs in order to make them into coats. Like, this was our childhood. No, she's scared of the ocean in Moana. But, <laughs> that's happened. But yes, that's uh, that's my old man yells at clouds rant. Uh, <laughs> as, as Sarah said, I, I did see this movie before her. 
And I... No, you didn't. I did. I... I pushed it and tangled. I wa- well, I yeah, but we them. saw it together. I pre-screened them and made you. You're not supposed to do that. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> this will get. comes out. This, <laughs> this will get me in trouble. But yeah, I, I watched these ahead of time and then told Sarah, hey, it was really good. So I feel a special kinship to this and the movie Tangled just because if I beat Sarah to a Disney movie, that's. Uh, You're not supposed to do that. Yeah, that's what happens. That's true. <laughs> I. I do the feel cardinal rule in couples exactly. not to watch things without the other one. Yeah. I do feel like it it's held up over time. We're retheming Splash Mountain, which is a big deal. It's gonna be Princess and the Frog theming instead of uh Br'er Rabbit Song of the South. So Nice. <laughs> yes. Yep. I I liked it the first time I saw it and I, I continue to just really enjoy this movie. I like revisiting it. I can't wait for our daughter to be a little braver so we can get back to it instead of, <laughs> I mean, Randy Newman's in Cars, too. So we're just getting Randy Newman overload, but that's all right. In a few seconds, we are going to spoil this movie for you, but we're going to take a quick break. If you haven't checked out Princess and the Frog, please do. It's classic. It's charming. Get back to us, and we'll be back in a second. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening. And we're back. Last chance before Lizzie spoils this movie for you. If you haven't seen Princess and the Frog, please check it out. Lizzie, can you run down and remind us what The Princess and the Frog is about? I sure can. It is a modern-day take on the fairy tale The Princess and the Frog. The story opens with a young Tiana, story's protagonist, and her beloved dad, her daddy, a hard-working man whose dreams of owning his own restaurant he now shares with his young daughter. Tiana then grows to be just as hardworking in order to make her and her daddy's dream a reality. Meanwhile, Prince Naveen, a handsome, fun-loving prince who has recently been cut off by his wealthy family, comes into town in search for a rich young lady to remedy his lack of funding. Just as the prince is about to put his plan into motion, he encounters the Shadow Man a voodoo witch doctor that preys on the prince and his resentful, greedy servant, turning Naveen into a frog. In search for help, Naveen hops into Tiana's home at a costume party, mistaking her for a princess, and in a moment of vulnerability, convinces her to kiss him. And in that moment, Tiana, too, is turned into a frog. So together they've got to... Pair together, you've got no-nonsense Tiana and the frivolous, carefree Naveen. And together, they have got to look for a way to change back into humans. And along the way, you guessed it, they fall in love. Excellent, excellent. 
Yes, as you pointed out, this is based on Grimm's Fairy Tales, The Frog Prince. This is the first hand-drawn Disney animated film since Home on the Range in 2004. I really don't feel like that should count, but that's... that's no. just... <laughs> Sarah was looking at this the other day. She's like, man, the string of movies in between <laughs> the hits and this movie. It's just, it's a graveyard. We well, ca- Brother Bear was in there too, right? Yeah. Oh, Brother Bear is a sleeper. Brother Bear is a good movie. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that movie. <laughs> Yeah, but they had Atlantis, I think, was a complete bomb. Wasn't the yes. Meet the Robinsons? Yes, Meet the there? Robinsons, which I think is a decent movie. But We forced ourselves to see that one. It's, <laughs> it's my last name, so I avoid movies where my last name is featured prominently. The Graduate is, is banned, too. But, uh, yeah, I, I suspect this animation style hits our age group differently right now i'm talking to people in their 30s but i'll go ahead and ask we'll start with you lizzie are you a fan of the hand-drawn animation or do you like the more pixar approach of the 3d i like the hand-drawn to me it's just nostalgic it reminds me of all of the movies that we grew up with but i also think that there's it's just more of an art form, I think, to think about all the work that goes into it, not to discredit the people that create. And all. I know that there's so much, so much technic, technical wizardry, if you will, that goes into making the Pixar films. But um, it just something about putting pen or pencil to paper and really drawing it out. Like it's just like, it's an act of love truly. So I think it is, there's something special about it and I have to say I miss it. Yeah. I, I like the, the hand drawn. Um, I think of those, those movies when in the early nineties, the, of the heyday, the print, the, Little Mermaid and Lion King and all those, those are the ones that I think of when I was a kid and um, especially Beating the Beast. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) That's my my all-time favorite movie. I just, I love what it brings to it. It, Pixar has that realism to it more often. And while that is interesting and fascinating, I I think with the hand-drawn, you're more drawn into the fantasy world, which I, I just... I want to be there. I want to have that fantasy, and I'm okay with that. (laughs) I like Pixar's animation. It's cute, but it doesn't give me the sense of awe and wonder that scenes from The Little Mermaid, I just picture her surfacing during part of your world and the ocean crashing over. Pixar doesn't have that. The, The ballroom dancing with Beauty and the Beast, the spectacle of Be Our Guest any of the scenes in Lion King, they're all just, they're so detailed and they're so breathtaking that that's where I'm at as well. I don't know if you ask an 18 year old, which do you prefer that they would still answer with these hand-drawn types of movies? A lot of people, a lot of the test screening in this, they said it felt antiquated, which is disappointing. This was supposed to spearhead a a return to hand-drawn animation this was like the litmus test of will it work but subsequent research and the film's disappointing box office basically said 
we can't continue in this direction. And there's a lot of reasons it, it didn't necessarily do well. It actually changed Disney's strategy. So this is called The Princess and the Frog. And part of what they're blaming is they thought the female title kind of gatekept it from men seeing this movie or wanting to see this movie. I mm. didn't work on me, but maybe that was the thought. Yeah. The Rapunzel was actually changed. Then they stripped out the name Rapunzel and just called it Tangled. They took out a lot of the trailer imagery that said it was romance. They wanted more comedy, comedy, comedy. I guess that's what the kids wanted to see. Same with Frozen. Frozen gets affected by this too. It gets changed from the Snow Queen to Frozen. So we start stripping out all these gendered titles, which is interesting. It doesn't carry over because eventually uh, 2006 is Moana, something like that. Uh, we do get a return for, or not 2006, 2016 is Moana. Really? So eventually we, we do return to that, but I guess this was part of their strategy. And something we've got to talk about here, this is the first Disney movie to feature a black princess. This is 2009. We mentioned the string of hand-drawn animations in the 90s. We have Jasmine, Pocahontas, Mulan. These are all within like two to three years of each other. And then we have to wait a decade. Does it surprise you that it took until 2009 to get representation? Man, I think... Yeah, it does. I mean, I think our world is diverse you know, I mean America itself is a melting pot and I think it makes so much sense because truly if you're going to be making a movie about New Orleans and based on the they don't actually come out and say it but based on the cars and the outfits it feels like you're kind of in that like flapper Gatsby-esque era oh definitely if you will in the beginning of, they have a, a paper about Wilson winning which was around 1914 so there you go perfect so uh, 10 years for two yes you've got the 20s the flappers yep yes you know thinking about new orleans new orleans was like just such a like a true melting pot of diversity so i mean it makes complete sense if you're trying to stay true to what you would imagine it would be like if you were walking the streets of new orleans but i mean it's really after this is truly when they started to come out with more diverse princesses, you know, like Moana, for example, and it being Polynesian and it was overdue for sure. Yeah. I, I think around that time is when there was that big push for not just, you know, equality, but like representation. I think that was when the start of all that push was, I want to be seen on screen for, who I am and, and that, um, not just tokenism of, right. Here's a person of color. Right. I want to be represented. Yeah. And, um, and so in that regard, I really feel like Disney was kind of at the front of that more so than some other things. And, um, so I don't, I, I think given what the feeling was of the people of, of just everybody in general of the times before that, I feel like that was the natural point for that to happen, even with Jasmine and Pocahontas being prior to that. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate it took this long, but a lot of care and thought process went into this movie, and it still received some criticism. And 
there's quite a bit of criticism for the amount of time that the first black princess, Tiana, spends in frog form. There, there's a feeling that that's taking away from the representation that's long overdue. Uh, there's also criticism over the overuse of the voodoo theme. I kind of think the voodoo theme fits. That's a very New Orleans thing. Obviously, it's a Haiti thing as well, but there's influence there. The title was originally called The Frog Princess, but that was changed along with an, numerous other items due to racial insensitivity. Uh, besides retitling the picture, they wanted to they wanted to avoid that implication that the first African American princess was somehow ugly or animalistic. Her name was originally Maddie, but it was pointed out Maddie came too close to Mammy, which is a an ugly stereotype of past ages. There was also a subplot that she was a maid. It was changed. She was a chambermaid, and that was changed for negative stereotypes. And they hired Oprah Win Winfrey as a consultant. So she's she winds up being a voice, but her initial role was to oversee this and try and point out to its their white writers and white producers. And I think that's something if it were being done today would probably be changed up as well. They would bring on more people of color, but Oprah Winfrey was brought in to oversee it. Uh, you know, this this is a podcast where a white guy's talking to you, but there is an excellent podcast out there. It's called Black and Animated. It's meant to help inspire black artists pursuing careers in animation. They have an episode on Princess and the Frog. So it's worth listening to people of color talk about this and some of the things that are meaningful to them, the representation, uh, but also some of the issues. Uh, Lizzie, Lizzie did mention this movie is heavily colored by its location of New Orleans. So we get jazz, we get bayous, we get vignettes, we, we get some of that voodoo. Do you like this setting? This was a big, hey, we want to set something in America that, is closer to present day where's more magical than new orleans i love new orleans my brother went to tulane law school so i actually went down to to new orleans excuse me several times while he was uh while he was finishing his degree there and new orleans is so much fun i could never live there it's a little bit too <laughs> like wild and crazy for me but it is such a fun place to visit like there's just an energy there that that you know you just really couldn't get anywhere else you know chad you and i kind of talked about this a little bit in our last episode about you know like bad juju and there's certainly <laughs> if you want to find bad juju you can find it in new orleans <laughs> but, uh, but but it is is a gorgeous, gorgeous city. And I, every single time I visit, I always have an amazing time. Yeah, I I like the the location in New Orleans because it, it just works really well with a lot of the um, themes that they were using, the voodoo, why they would have that location. And um, there's just a lot of things you can play off of, the music and, you know, the culture and a little bit of the party and the food. And I think it's definitely used as a driving point to a lot of the plot. Yeah. The, the fact they wanted to make this a musical just makes new Orleans, the obvious choice for me. When I think of new Orleans, I think of jazz. I think of the bands marching down the street. We get some of that playing old when the saints go marching in something to that extent. So if you want to make an American musical, it, 
I love it. I love that setting. I've never been the closest I've been is we stayed at the French Quarter at Disney World. So it was New Orleans themed. I, I've been briefly to New Orleans. Yeah. Um, and I had beignets, but that was with somebody else. Those. <laughs> that was the frog. I'm yeah. the prince. <laughs> yep. New Orleans in itself, honestly, is like a another character of yes. the movie. You know, it just has such a big personality. It's one of those cities where you just can't help. You can imagine it. You know, you don't need to have gone there to imagine what it must have been like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially with things like the riverboats and the bayous. That's so fun. And no classic Disney movie is complete without a bad guy with an awesome song. So what do you think of Dr. Facilier, or as everyone else calls him in the movie, the Shadow Man? He's actually my favorite villain. I love him (laughs) so much. I think he's so underrated. And, you know, I got on this um, huge diatribe with my cousin about... Dr. Facilier about how he's the last really solid Disney villain because pretty much after this, you notice you'll notice that like looking at Disney movies after bad characters quote aren't really bad anymore. Like they're bad guys that you have some kind of backstory that makes you feel sorry for them. You know where you know like Frozen for example. You know originally Elsa was supposed to be a villain and yes. then the song Let It Go was like oh this is such a great song it's very inspiring let's just make her a misunderstood sister and she's still um, the and, villain. you know <laughs> yeah and and Taka and Moana you know Taka isn't really like this like fire demon it's Tafiti that has her heart missing so bad guys in Disney movies aren't actually really bad anymore and right. but it's just kind of this idea of trying to get away from this concept of like a black and white good and evil which I can understand when you're talking about little brains watching these movies that you want to kind of get them away from the idea that people are black and white. So I, I can appreciate that. But there is something so rewarding, though, about just watching a bad guy and yeah. watching. And he's just like purely bad. Like he's just wicked for the sake of being wicked. There really is no uh, redeeming qualities about him. He's just, you know, he's bad news. And you don't. You know, and he gets his comeuppance. Oh, my goodness, yes. I mean, he's he's made a deal with evil spirits. Like, this is this is our starting point of scamming a guy <laughs> into turning him into a werewolf. We don't even get any dialogue. The guy just wants hair, and he gets turned into a werewolf, which is a funny throwaway gag. But <laughs> Sarah, is this up there in your pantheon of evil Disney villains? I don't think he quite reaches scar level for me scar i is, knew you were gonna mention scar. that is that you is the pence ultimate yes he's yeah my scar's favorite. pretty great also, also with jim cummings he does a little bit of the singing for be prepared jeremy irons mostly but yeah. yes he's he blew out his voice didn't yes. he i remember reading that somewhere yeah yeah i he, i don't know he's not my favorite but i mean he definitely fits in with the themes and he he almost feel like he needs more screen time for me to figure out whether mm. i like him or not <laughs> that's fair i could i could do with more screen time he doesn't quite have the hellfire song from... yeah his his song is very short which we found out oh my gosh from the hunchback is that what yes, you're talking about hellfire that is yeah 
Oh my gosh, that talk about a questionable song for a Disney. <laughs> <laughs> That's one where they're just like, we're gonna go all in with this guy. He is gonna have the, yeah. the most evil song of all time. I thought about saying Hunchback because I wanted to revisit it, but Chad didn't want me to put it on the list. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's true. He like, wouldn't let me put it there. Listen, he wanted to talk Hunchback. <laughs> depressing. Yes. And sad. And there really isn't much that up, makes me feel uplifted at the end. I mean, if I feel like I'm going to fall that down, I need something that's going to pick me up again. I mean, it's just like there's no upper right, right. in that yes. movie at all. That's true. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there were some movies banned from the Disney archives. We've, <laughs> we've talked about this a little offline, but The Fox and the Hound is a no-go. Like I just nope I, nope it was no no hunchback no fun fox and the hound there's one or two others yeah. you told me we couldn't do yeah I can't get through that movie without just falling you didn't want up. me to do Oliver and Company no, no. oh I love Oliver and Company <laughs> oh my gosh that movie is so great what's um Billy Joel oh my gosh yeah, that's what I could say why should I worry? Tell me. Oh my gosh, it's so good. That's like the best. I'm sorry, the did best. I derail you? No, I, <laughs> I love this tangent in the banter. It's it's fine and it's great when I'm outnumbered because that's the purpose of these types that's of shows. Fine. That's all right. Circling back back to our shadow man. Yeah, I'm 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 with Lizzie on the passion here. I. I like the Shadow Men, and it's probably largely due to I like Keith David. I like his voice. I like that they incorporated aspects of Keith David. So he's got the gap teeth, just like Keith David in Dr. Facilier. He's modeled a little bit off of Baron Samadhi, who's a voodoo icon. He shows up in some of the James Bond films of Living Daylights, I believe, is where Baron Samadhi shows up. So he's got a little bit of that modeling, the colors, the purples, and the blacks, and the greens. I, I like everything about his design, but I'm with Sarah. I want more. Uh, had this conversation with Russell where Russell said, I kept expecting someone bigger to be behind him because he just wasn't there enough. Which, you know, go do go do other evil things, even if it's just side cameos. Like, go go mess with New Orleans. That's fine. So, yeah, Shadow Man seems to be getting a thumbs up. And this, of course, classic animation, we have to have animal sidekicks. So in this, we have Ray, the Firefly, or Lightning Bug, depending on where you are demographically, and Lewis, the Alligator, the jazz-playing alligator. What do you think? Do you like our animal sidekicks in this movie? Yes, I, I think I remember the first time seeing it and feeling like I could probably live without Lewis, but I loved Ray. And I think that was just the fact that I, I think I've, I feel like we've seen a giant animal playing the trumpet before, <laughs> but I also, <laughs> but I also think, uh, I think it feels like very like Aristocats kind yeah. of. Yeah. Also Baloo for some reason. Blue, yes, very much so. Like the giant, but at the same time, like it fits so well with the theme. Could you, you can't really do New Orleans without a gator, and New Orleans is the birth of place of jazz. So, like, it, it tracks for sure. But to me, it's like it's all about Ray. He is like the champion of the of the animal sidekicks. Oh, his love story is so him. sweet. <laughs> I know. He's like the, he's like the New Orleans Jiminy Cricket, if you will. He's, 
he's just so sweet. <laughs> yeah, you, you're like, is he really wise or is this like folksy, crazy, but still sort of helpful? Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> both. Yes, both. <laughs> His I, little Cajun accent's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I like Ray. I like Ray, but I, I think of Louis. Louis, right? Yes. Okay. Well, Louis. But <laughs> Louis. Okay. Yes. Whatever. The alligator guy. <laughs> but, but he is named after uh, Louis Armstrong. That like makes that's sense. the clear that influence. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I I liked his his early, early scene just for the comic relief of him trying to get on the steamboat and yes. and then getting shot off and <laughs> it just it, it like while the movie is not serious. It has a lot of serious things about it, and I, I really feel like he he adds that element that is needed in a children's movie. Maybe not as much appreciated by the adults, but I, I, I like his humor. <laughs> I like that they had separate goals. Like, the yeah. goals aren't necessarily just to help the two, Naveen and Tiana. Like, Lewis's main goal is to play in a jazz band. And he gets that in the end because everyone thinks <laughs> yep. he's in costume. And Ray's <laughs> main goal is to be reunited with Evangeline. And he Evangeline. gets that too. And he gets it. So, oh my goodness. So that's that's such a touching moment in another. I don't I don't know how to answer the question. Brian has a big thing of if an animal dies in a movie, you have to forewarn him. I'm like, I don't know how to respond with Princess and the Frog. Do you care enough about a firefly being squished? And I care a lot. <laughs> well, by that point. Yes, the, the answer is yes, you yes. do, very much so. Because <laughs> I, I don't know if he's going to be mad at me at the end of the year. There's I send him to, there's a website called doesthedogdie.com, and it covers all kinds of animals. If they're mistreated or die, it will answer that question, but I that's a huge spoiler for this movie. Like Marley and me, you can see it coming. But yeah. Yeah, I I like the animal sidekicks. And we haven't talked about it yet. So let's get to our main characters, Tiana and Naveen. This is an interesting one because Tiana's ultimate goal isn't true love. This isn't like the classic Cinderella type thing. It's to see a family dream and hard work pay off. But of course, we get that romance. Does Naveen and Tiana's story feel different, or are we kind of treading the same ground? I think ultimately we're treading similar ground. I think that the idea of one person being really hardworking and having goals, and then the other person being kind of silly and carefree, I feel like it's been, not in a Disney movie, but it's been done before. Um, but I do like the idea of it being introduced in a children's movie, because I think the princesses that come before Tiana, you know, really the only princess that I, this is just my hot take, but the only princess that I think is really worth truly looking up to is Belle. I think that, you know, she's independent. She, she's, you know, she's literate. Yes. She loves to read. She, yes. She's, and, you know, she's not necessarily, she finds love and that makes her a princess, but she's not necessarily just looking for to be a kept wife. And um, and so I think that that's a nice lesson to teach little girls is the idea that, you know, you love is wonderful, but it shouldn't be your overall, 
goal. Have love in your life and have people that love you, but also have dreams and aspirations that go farther than getting married. And so I think that it's a nice little lesson. So to see a girl who isn't afraid to work two jobs and has dreams that are fueled by the love of a promise with her dad, I think it's really, really sweet. And, you know, the Naveen of being carefree and silly, I mean, that's kind of, you know, it's, you you care a little bit less about him, and the, it's really the yeah. Tiana show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really love Tiana's story just because I have a kinship to to Belle as well for that same reason is that having ideas outside of a relationship, the relationships are fine and great even, but it's not what defines you as a person. And so you can still have your own individual dreams. And if you find that right person, which it seems that in the story, Tiana ultimately did, that person will support you no matter what that dream is. Because at the end, Naveen does help her live her dream and knows that's what she wants to do. And he's not going to get in the way with that. The fact that it wasn't what is a traditional fairy tale is perfectly fine and still can be a valid point of her story integrated with her passions. Yeah, I do always like an ambition stated. It's it's nice to have that, whereas Cinderella's superpower was just like kindness. But her ultimate goal was to go to the nice ball and have a good time. Mm-hmm. The prince was like the fulfillment and it just feels kind of empty. It's it's a great movie, but ultimately, okay, what lessons can you take away from here? Be really, really pretty and dolled up and maybe you'll be royalty. I don't know. Belle, we, <laughs> we cover beauty and the beast and yeah, she's, she's one of the more redeeming princesses because she just has all these other qualities. And so is Tiana. I, I like that she's, She's flawed in her dream. As we see, Mama Odie is kind of reminding her, hey, this isn't actually all you want. You you need to find some kind of middle ground and happiness here. You're working yourself to death. As her friends keep saying, you're not having any time for fun. You're just, you're working yourself to death. We see her as an adult when it transitions from childhood and she's got frazzled hair. She goes to lay down and sleep and the alarm clock immediately goes off and she's off to her second job so yeah i i like that she's got a different goal i guess than than a lot of the classic disney stuff i will say it's it feels a little bit tropey at this point of flawed male character that the female character has to work on and change in order for them to realize that they are meant for each other it's like ah this this again <laughs> but you know that's i i feel like a lot of the things that came after this because we have tangled as well which is a fantastic movie but same thing flynn rider is a flawed character who rapunzel has to work on and then he becomes the ideal version and then they can be together but she also wasn't looking for a man yes i know and it's very a true fantastic... she just wanted to be free right <laughs> She wanted to see the lights, which is a fantastic. That's true. That's fair. It's the lights that yes. she wanted to see. 
Yes. Well, I think you care more about the, at least me, me, this is just maybe me speaking as a woman, but I think you care more about the princess's point of view more so than you do about the prince or the guy. Oh, definitely. And so, like you said, I think it's, you know, she had to learn that lesson of it's great to have goals and it's great to have ambitions and they're all really important, but it's nothing if you don't have people around you to share it with. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily about having a husband, but more just about having people in your life that love you. They they do kind of push maybe slightly too hard that Naveen isn't a very likable person in the beginning. He talks about all the women that he's courted and maybe gone further with and he's just goofing around mistreating his servant who winds up being evil so i guess that's okay you still shouldn't mistreat him like lawrence is is sort of beaten down and just he's not a good guy for the most part he's just like i'm handsome i'm royalty i get what i want he's a spoiled rich kid so uh, for me they almost push too hard of I don't like him. And then everything happened fast. I'm like, why, uh, Tiana, can't you do better? You you seem like a very <laughs> sweet girl. It's very true. He has that one redeeming moment when they're mincing vegetables in the <laughs> woods together where he's like, you know, I've realized that I don't know how to do anything. He was like, you know, my servants even, br- he's like, they even brush my teeth for me, which to me, I'm like, I'm all for having someone that's going to cook for me and clean for me. Maybe, maybe dress me depending on what the occasion is. But you lost me at brushing teeth. Like that's just a little <laughs> bit too. Brutal. I don't even think I let my husband brush my teeth for me. I mean, but that's like his one redeeming moment is he's like, I just I don't know how to do anything. And you feel sorry for him. But yeah. I, I agree. I think he's a little interchangeable for sure. I love that that becomes his thing, though. Like, even at the end, when she gets yes. to Yana's palace, he's in there dressed up, and he serves just a plate of minced vegetables <laughs> so proudly. Yes. Like, I, Tiana, look, I built this entire restaurant. I did everything <laughs> all by myself. I worked two jobs to afford this down payment, and now we're here. And he's like, look, Mom and Dad, I minced vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if he gets the family fortune a little bit back, like if they approve. <laughs> He's <Nelson>. redeemed himself <laughs> yeah. at that point. Yes. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, according to the directors, the main reason Jim Cummings was brought on, I don't understand some of this. Like Jim Cummings, he had lived in New Orleans for a couple years and could do a Cajun accent. So they're like, hey, Jim Cummings, Winnie the Pooh, uh, can you do this movie? Why, why New Orleans mattering for that? But <laughs> I, I feel like Jim Cummings has a huge range, but this is what they did. They also did the same thing with John Goodman. Even though voice work can be done wherever, they're like, hey, John Goodman, you have a house in New Orleans. Would you like to be in a movie about New Orleans? Like, <laughs> this, this strikes me as mildly lazy. But what's always fun is the lead roles. So we had a, a bunch of personalities considered for the lead role. We have Jennifer Hudson, Alicia Keys, Tyra Banks, two of the three would be excellent there. Uh, Keys and Banks personally lobbied the studio for the part. And Beyonce was also considered for the role, but she lost out on it because she refused to audition, which is kind of hilarious. Like, please give me this role, but I'm not going <laughs> to read for you. She gets, she gets her Disney movie. She gets the live-action Lion King. 
As I mentioned, Oprah Winfrey was originally hired as a tech consultant. And Bruno Campos, he voices Prince Naveen. He's Brazilian, but he's imitating a French accent. And they just kind of threw up their hands like, this makes sense because Maldonia is a phony country. So if you apparently have a Brazilian accent mixed with a attempted French accent, there you go. You get uh, the country of Maldonia. Any of the pseudo, the potential castings here, Jennifer Hudson, Alicia Keys, Tyra Banks, even Beyonce, any of those intrigue you, Lizzie? Well, first, as an aside, I have to say that you talk about Beyonce doing doing The Lion King, and I was so bummed. I don't know if either one of you have seen the Broadway show, but there's an amazing song on the Broadway show, Shadowland, that's not in the original movie, where Nala sings. It's like this moment in between the events that take place when Simba originally leaves the Pride Lands and then Nala comes and finds him living with Timon and Pumbaa. And it's like basically her just saying like, hey, the conditions are awful. I need to go and find somebody that can help us. And it's an amazing song. Like clearly, if Beyonce is in this movie, she's going to sing Shadowland and it's going to be amazing. And I was so excited to no avail. It was like one of the biggest Disney disappointments. (laughs) (laughs) So I was so upset. Back to Princess and a Frog. I, I, I mean, I think Beyonce would have been amazing in this role. She has from dream girl. She's able to really control her voice. Cause you know, Beyonce listening to her albums that, you know, of her own songs with her personality, she kind of has this like growly texture to her voice. But when you watch her in the movie dream girl, she's really able to scale back on that a lot and have much more control over her voice. So I think she would have absolutely been able to kind of like princess it up a little bit. I think she would have been great. I think Jennifer Hudson, she might have had too much of a powerful voice. I don't know if I've ever heard her kind of sing in a softer, quieter tone. Hmm. Talking about another dream girls, but I mean, she's fantastic. So, I mean, she, I'm not going to put it past her. I'm sure she could. But they picked the third the third dream girl. And she, uh, honestly, she's got an unbelievable voice, like such a pretty, deep alto. And I think, I think they made the right choice. Yeah, I think sometimes when you put a big name out there, you can't, or at least this is the way I get, I can't get past who that is. Like, yeah. I hear that voice and I just know who that is outside of the movie. It, and um, and so I think I would have problems with that with Beyonce and Jennifer Hudson both. Maybe I wouldn't, because there's sometimes I watch an animated movie and I'm like, wait, that was her? The the biggest example I think of is Encanto. Oh, um, yes. Rosa Diaz yes. herself, Stephanie Beatriz. Yes. Like, I had no idea that was who she was. And uh, she's in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the show that Chad and I, like, watched all the time. And we had watched Encanto all the way through. And then I was, like, just looking about something about it later. And I was like, wait a minute. That's Diaz. Yeah, Rosa can sing. <laughs> so, uh, but for the most part, people that I already have preconceived notions about, I sometimes have trouble when they're in a lead role in an animated because I just, all I can see is that other character or who they are outside of that. And um, so I wonder if maybe I would have had that issue with the other two. 
I like that it was somebody that's lesser known because um, then I can just get fully into that character. Um, yeah, I, Alicia Keys is the one that stuck out to me as far as the voices. I think she would do an interesting interpretation, but I really liked. Uh, I don't know if it's Anika or Annika uh, Rose, but yeah, she. Her voice as Tiana, especially during Almost There, is just fantastic. Our our creation, our producing and writing team, our producer is Peter Delvecho. It's written by Ron Clements and John Musker. They're a famous tag team. They did The Great Mouse Detective, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Hercules, Treasure Planet. They quit Disney Studios in 2005, but John Lasseter, who's in charge of creative at Disney, he sought them out and asked them to make a film of their choosing, whatever format they wanted. And so they basically said, we've done Little Mermaid, we've done Aladdin, to a lesser extent Hercules. We're going to prove that this is still a viable format. Uh, this is heavily influenced by Tennessee Williams. He, he grew up in Mississippi, but... Tennessee is strongly associated with New Orleans, so he lived for in New Orleans, wrote a ton of his plays there. There's a lot of references, so Charlotte calling her father Big Daddy, that's the name of the wealthy patriarch and cat on a hot tin roof. Uh, LaBeouf mm -hmm. calls for his dog Stella, and he does the streetcar name Desire Stella! So we've got that as well. And Goodman had starred in a bunch of uh, Tennessee Williams plays, so he's used to this. Uh, that's that's a lot of their inspiration. The animation style itself, it was influenced, they said, by Lady and the Tramp for city scenes and Bambi for the bayou scenes. Do you see the influence here? Oh, man, I didn't even think about that, but Lady and the Tramp, definitely. I have no idea where Lady and the Tramp is supposed to be in terms of location, but I know that what I always think of in Lady and the Tramp is like the gates that they had in the background were mm. um, always like this like pretty kind of swirly suburban gates, and that mm. very much reminds me of the way that they styled Tiana's restaurant. Very much so. Like the Jim Deere and Jim Deere and Darling, are those are the parents' names. Yes. Of the yeah. the dog. Yes. There. I can't believe I remember that. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Thank you. Um, their house, like the little balcony, uh, has kind of like this like swirly design on their gate, and it's something that for whatever reason I always think of. But now that I'm making the association, it I can definitely see how they would have pulled that for Tiana's restaurant because it has a very similar vibe. Yeah, did it feel familiar to you, Sarah? I'm trying to think of Bambi in the forest scenes, and I feel like the forest scenes had more light in Bambi, but light was used differently. So, because um, a lot of the bayou scenes were more dark, yeah. Um, so that they could utilize the fireflies. So maybe there still was that use of light, just in a different way. But there was a lot of light and dark in Bambi as well. So um, I just picture the wildlife fleeing at that gunshot. Like that's the that's the shot yeah. I picture in Bambi. <laughs> Bambi you is just, banned in our house. Just, that's another one. Yeah, that's I was not allowed. Say, you've marked that one off too, haven't <laughs> yeah. you? Yeah. Aww. We do get some 
some nice things here. The during the almost there sequence, they use the art of African American painter Aaron Douglas. He was a major figure in the Harlem Renaissance. So we get this unique art during that song. It's so cool. Uh, they did a couple things. They worked on Hercules, and Hercules does some some different art styles during their musicals as well. Uh, as far as our atmosphere, I did mention this is. It's initially set in 1912 for the prologue, but sometime in the 20s for the story. One of the fun things as far as the wardrobe and design, because it's an animated movie, you can't really talk about costumes, but we can talk about how they were drawn. Tiana's left-handed because Annika Rose is left-handed. She actually requested her character, so I don't know if any of you caught that. I did mention... Uh, Dr. Facilier having Keith David's gap teeth. So that was a cool touch as well. And Bruce W. Smith, he's one of the animators. He describes Facilier as the love child of Captain Hook and Cruella DeVille. Do you see it? Captain Hook and Cruella DeVille. <laughs> Cruella DeVille I definitely get because like she's tall and she's gangly. Yes. And she's kind of got like her face almost as like sunken in a little bit she's just so frail and that is definitely dr Pacific. captain hook i don't know if i get captain hook vibes from facilier i think it's the leaning over gesturing because that's what i picture with captain hook he's often Maybe. like leaning over in their face and yeah. extending an arm yeah. which is what facilier does I would think maybe like jack skeleton and corella deville <laughs> would be like the like Nightmare Before Christmas, like Jack Skeleton, I would say like maybe him and Corella Deville that would make a love child that would be look more like Doctor Facilier. That's just my hot take. I feel like he had far too little hair mm. to be a love child of Captain Hook. Okay, all right, missing. You could argue that was just a wig, but missing you know. the mane. But we did get Jack Skellington. He he's one of the shadows. They had so many fun cameos. Oh here. yeah. So he's one of the evil okay. shadows. Well, even more so. <laughs> Sarah, I'm going to throw a Disney fact at you. Oh. I, I'm going to see if I can stump the Disney trivia oh, no. expertise. Did you know that Tiana, despite being a frog, has the most amount of wardrobe changes of any Disney princess? I did not know that. Yes. I'm, I'm here <laughs> with the facts here. She... she <laughs> She has two waitress uniforms, two costumes at the costume ball, one white outfit in the Shadow Man's Illusion, one dress in the Bayou Wedding, one in the Church Wedding, and then one final in Tiana's Palace. So she, despite the frog issue, she gets some, some pretty cool costumes that start very subdued, but once she returns to human form from frog form, they're a lot, lot brighter. And... Tiana's the only Disney princess who was proposed to on screen until Anna of Frozen in 2013. So she's also the only Disney princess with a wedding ring. Probably less important first, but here you go. You recognize it definitely in the last scene because she's like holding up the hammer. Yes. To be like, yeah. you know, it's time for me to build and time for you to mince vegetables. And she's... <laughs> And yes, you can tell she's wearing it. And then at the very end, she wears it over her gloves. I remember that. Yes. 
And I, I think we've got to talk about the soundtrack. It's the first 2D animated Disney film for Randy Newman. He previously scores Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., and Cars. It's the second hand-drawn animated film he worked on, the first being Cats Don't Dance in 97. And That's a great movie. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. I'll be honest. <laughs> it's a great movie. It's legit. You should watch it for sure. If you guys are big Disney people, that's like, um, well, I don't know. You don't like Oliver and Company. That's I don't. like he doesn't. Oh man. All right. These. This was Academy Award nominated, so two times over. I'm surprised at what didn't get nominated, but let's talk about the soundtrack. Lizzie, how did this hit for you? Did you like the soundtrack here? One hundred percent. Yes, I absolutely love the soundtrack in this movie. It's so good. I almost there is like one of those like bops that I can sing in the car. I think that we all have kids. Uh, you know, there's always those songs that listen on repeat that just are painful. And unfortunately, some Disney songs can be that way, too, for me. But I love this soundtrack. This just feels like a pop poppy fun like i could listen to it and not get tired of it but i i mean i i love the shadow man so to me it's like friends on the other side is like one of my all-time favorite villain songs it's fun it has got so much personality and it's just a touch creepy it's like it's perfection i think you could legitimately torture someone to death with trash in the camp from tarzan hey now 100 percent. oh my gosh that's so terrible i like the song but we uh at a summer camp they played it on loop in our dining hall and i'm just i i get a little ptsd from that it's a good song i like phil collins if you don't like phil collins don't see tarzan you're in for a very very bad time (laughs) we we were listening to disney songs on vacation last week and Trash in the Camp came on, and I'm just singing along, and our daughter's going, what is this? Yeah, we tried to explain yeah, the I'm words. not a fan of <laughs> Trash in the She got to learn a new word. We, we taught her the word gibberish. <laughs> gibberish, yeah, gibberish. That's pretty funny. Yeah, and after a while of us listening to Disney movie Disney songs for too long, Chad was just like, "Turn on Friends on the other side." Yes, <laughs> there you go, there you go. So That's I turned good. it on, and and Belle again was like, "What is this?" Yes. <laughs> it's a good song. The I it's so good, and it also incorporates like you know his little friends and kind of just it's yeah. the best little picture of his personality and while also facilitating the story you know right. it's not just like a like I love Scar but Be Prepared isn't necessarily like a song that carries out the plot like that's just him being like I have an idea but like the song itself like he's like carrying out his plan as he's singing song. it <laughs> I am not bashing <laughs> Be prepared. I love being prepared. I mean, that was like, I went to college with a Simba doll. Like, I love, I go hard for Lion King. I'm just saying, like, he doesn't, that's just like a treat for you to hear the song. But it doesn't necessarily, like, fuel the plot of the movie to 
just seeing be prepared. It's just kind of like a snapshot of his personality. But There's Friends definitely... on the Other Side is fun, and it also like you know you, at the end of the movie or at the end of the song, Naveen is a frog. I will give you there's far more plot advancement, but the the line of no king, no king, he's like, it's I'll be king. Like there's there's your plot. We're gonna kill the king. Well, if he tell he spoils the movie for you, yes. <laughs> right? So you, yes. Sarah, soundtrack. It was, did you have a favorite song? Did you like this soundtrack? Do you like the jazz? I did have a favorite song. Um. I am an almost there type of girl. Mm-hmm. I I love a prince, a, an anthem for a princess. I just this is who I am. This is who you expect me to be. These are my dreams. That that gets me, and I just I want to sing it with them and just be that dreamer that I I I don't know. That's same reason why in Beating the Beast, one of my favorite songs is um, the um, I Want Adventure in the Great White Somewhere. Yes. I want it more than oh I can. Oh, my gosh. I just, I just want to sing it. And same <laughs> thing with Almost There. Like, she's almost atri- achieved what she's set out to do, what she's always wanted to do as a young child. And this is this is taking form. And I, I I'm going to grab it and... Those are the ones that I, I every single movie I want to hear that I want to hear that anthem that that princess wants to give and say her dreams. Mm. So that's where I'm at. But I do love the the theme of New Orleans just throughout all of the songs and and the voodoo and um, just it's intertwined in all of them. Um, and so as the score as a whole, I, I appreciate that part of it. Um, yeah, I, I like the surprise gospel choir that we get for Dig It a Little Deeper. Things well, like, you need oh, that yeah. in the South. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's fun to get that. I I really do. I'm a friend's on the other side, but you know what? I sing Almost There to Sarah probably <laughs> at least once a month. Like, it, it is a... It's just a song that's fitting for so many situations, and I I'm with Sarah as far as I like the dream. I I do. I like when a princess sings out her dreams. Part of your world is an excellent song for that. It just these things are great. But you know what, Mabel Evangeline too. Even though I can't understand a ton of words that Jim Cummings <laughs> is spinning yeah. out in this very heavy Cajun accent. The visuals with that just stick mm. with me, and it's so sweet that he's singing to his love while they're falling in love on screen. So I, I'm a sap for that. And of course, you know, anytime Lewis gets a chance to play, I, I'm for that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm for jazz. Uh, yeah. Pro jazz. I am. I am pro <laughs> jazz. I will go down on record. Sarah, you and I might be. Um kindred spirits because i would be remiss not to mention this that when i was a little girl i used to my parents have our our, we have a family farm i used to do like sound of music style like run up and like twirl in my in the hills and i'd be like i want much more than this (laughs) 
I didn't even know what provincial meant at the like, time, but I'm just like, I'm just repeating this I word. just feel like nobody knows that, because it's just like the reprise of the song. It's not even like yes. the main part of the song, but like, that's the scene. Yeah, that's Oh my that's gosh, still I loved of, it. I used to pretend like I was her. It was so much fun. So yes, you and I are kindred spirits. Yeah, because then the next line is, I'm going to make Belle my wife. So from Gaston. But yeah, no, we, no, you're no, talking is, about when she's dreaming in the book. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. during the main part. But no, this is when she goes out into the pasture gotcha. and gotcha. has the reprise. Yeah. Yep. Gaston has since eaten like pig yes. droppings, running and declining his proposal, and now she's running away. We had a big, long, fierce debate about The Sound of Music, and I argue it's, it's a terrible movie that... Uh, you are wrong. And but and, and her hot take of it's like there's so many better movies, but uh, no. Yes. Uh, and are we going to go into this for rabbit trail? another podcast? A- a- this Angela is far Lansbury. too deep. Not Angela Lansbury. <laughs> no, I do this every Julie time. Andrews. Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews. Yes. yes, she's the Princess Diaries is better than Sound of Music. This is my hot take. We need to get a therapist on staff. Yes. Of the retro movie roundtable, and we need to have a deeper conversation about why you don't like the sound of music. Oh wait, yeah, that's a two-hour podcast on its own. More yeah, pe- yeah, more people will write me hate mail over that. It might be deserved. <laughs> so please don't write me any more mean letters. I can only take so much. Uh, anyways, we will talk about oh, good awards. Our movie superlatives is our favorite time of the show. You guys ready to hand out some awards? I yes. suppose so. Ready. Yes, that that was excitement I'm looking for. <laughs> MVP of Princess and the Frog. Lizzie, who you got? It's got to be Ray. He is mm. he's so lovable, and I honestly think without him, neither Tiana or Naveen would be able to put their pride aside. I think that the way that he loves Evangeline so purely and sweetly, despite... The fact that their love will never truly, I mean, he's a star and he's a firefly doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I think um, <laughs> just watching like his silliness and his able, his ability to love without reservation, I think that inspires both of them to get out of their own way and realize that they have love for one another. He's just like this sweet little conscience of of the bayou. I just I adore him. I think he's so sweet. I just raised the best. Excellent. Excellent. Sarah, who is your MVP? Uh, I've got to go with Annika Rose for Tiana. And just the, I I just love the the whole dream and and just living it out. And and I think she did a great job bringing that to life. Yeah, she had had to have immense pressure because she surely understood her role in Disney history here. So her voice and you know the the strong willedness of the character that she brings to just stand up to Naveen and say I'm not interested in you playboy <laughs> I I love her pushing me off so yeah that's an excellent choice I I went with John Musker and Ron Clements I just feel like they're a dynamic duo. They took a huge chance returning to this old-fashioned style when modern audiences pretty much said eh, we don't want this i just find it enchanting i miss this type of film 
and I feel like this has gained more appreciation over time, mm-hmm. and I I hope that they take more chances. I hope that we get another return. Best supporting actor, Lizzie. I think this will come as no surprise. I went with Keith David as Dr. Facilier, the mm-hmm. Shadow Man. I just think he's such a juicy villain. I absolutely love him. And I don't really need to say anything more than I've already said. I just think he's the best. Doesn't get much better. Yes. I will never argue against a Keith David pick. <laughs> I was... I love Mama Odie. We didn't I... talk enough about her. <laughs> she is awesome. I love her. She's, it... she's got the genie's lamp in her little handbag. I, just, <laughs> I, I know we didn't talk about her much, but I, I just love her spunk and just like, you know, she's got it all under control, but she just is a little crazy and yep. that's okay. And and so I, I, loved, I loved her role. They definitely... Her song is great too. Yeah. They definitely lift a little bit of her and put it in the grandmother of Moana. Like yeah. That yeah. crazy but actually knows everything. For sure. So, yeah. that's I I love it. We didn't get to talk much about her. Mama Odie is a great character. Just, just love that. I, because I gave an MVP to someone else, I really love Facilier, but I had to go with Jim Cummings as Ray. I hang on that every hard to understand Cajun word coming out of his mouth. He's just oozes charm. So yes, my firefly lightning bug Ray, who gets his sweet reunited moment with Evangeline. Uh, the Ray's laid low. That really took me off, off guard the first time. I'm like, no, they didn't just squish him. Did they? <laughs> they did. Yeah. Ray got squished. Hidden gem, Lizzie. I put Lottie as my hidden gem because she's she's really fun, but also she's a really down friend. You know, her whole (laughs) goal is, you know, she's like the antithesis of what they're trying to do with Tiana. We're like building this really independent Disney princess. Whereas like Lottie, the only thing she cares about is having a prince, like (laughs) the only thing. But yet through all of that, she's also like a really solid friend. You know, she's about to get a marriage proposal from who she thinks is Naveen and which is actually Lawrence. But then she sees that Tiana's upset and she completely abandons her mission to get her man and goes and takes her friend upstairs, cleans her up, puts her in a pretty dress. I mean, that's like a real friend. And then at the very end, you know, she has the opportunity to be a princess. And when she realizes that her prince is really in love with Tiana, she not only gives them her blessing, but like she really celebrates them. And I think, you know, all those fun movies like Mean Girls and all the things like we all love those movies. They have they're funny and it's kind of they're petty and it's it's fun to watch. But I think it is really nice to see a female lead supporting another female lead. I think that's really special. And I think it's important to show that too, of like little girls, like two things can exist at the same time where you can go after and chase your dreams, but you can also support your friends and be happy for them. Even if it means that you're not getting what you want in this moment too. So I, Lottie was my, was my pick. But she does get that kind of ruining moment at the end where she's dancing with a six-year-old. And she's like, yeah, that's a little... <laughs> How old are you? Out. I can wait. 
<laughs> it's a little bit of a try hard moment in that. And but um but yes, other than that, she is uh she's she's a solid gal. She is fun. <laughs> Sarah, who, who's your hidden gem of this movie? There's a lot. Well, I I had to pick Ray at some point. Yeah. So this is where I put Ray in his storyline. Um, just because it's not it's not the main storyline, but he he almost has his own story into himself. Yeah. And um, that, like you guys had mentioned, is just a sweet story. I like it. I like bringing Ray's romance in here for a nomination because that, that does get overshadowed by our two main characters. But it's honestly the sweet, pure mm-hmm. romance. I love it. I, I went with... I initially wrote Tennessee Williams, but I think I'm just going to go with the city of New Orleans itself. I don't think this movie winds up being nearly as fun, colorful, and personality-driven without the city of New Orleans and everything it can bring. So I'm I'm going with a location pick. New Orleans, you're my hidden gem. Nice. Recast. Lizzie, uh, this was a tough one for me. Who are you recasting? This was really hard. I spent a lot of time thinking about this. I would choose to recast Facilier's friends on the other side. Mm. I think that um, I would have liked to have seen, you know, they have, you have like the little voodoo dolls and then you have kind of like this big over, it almost looks like one of those like witch doctor masks that kind of represents like the ultimate friend. But I don't know if you all have ever seen All Dogs Go to Heaven, the sequel. All Dogs Go to Heaven, (laughs) Two, we're going way back in time, <laughs> but um, and that's the two. Seeing the sequel is is is, uh, is quite an accomplishment, if I do say so myself. But like Charlie, it's like he's in heaven, not to go through the whole plot, but because you're in heaven, there has to be an opposite, and so there's like a doggy hell for like the you know I guess the really bad dogs and the chihuahuas. Um, so because and yes exactly. And so there's like this like overarching evil guy and he's it's a cat, obviously. And I don't know, I would have I would have really appreciated seeing some personality behind the friends from the other side. They kind of were just like zombie esque and it would have been really cool for them to expand on that a little bit. Okay, like a more oogie boogie style. Exactly. Yes, exactly. All right. I like it. I, I support evil entities having more personality it's consistent <laughs> sarah i know this was a tough one for you this was a tough one i actually did pick something excellent yes oh i had it covered okay oh, I'm, not, I'm not looking um and this wasn't particularly because i didn't like who did it i um I think of the Louis, the mm-hmm. alligator, and I just think of him as this big bumbling character. And I was like, you know who I could see doing that? Brad Garrett. Okay. Right. <laughs> and it's not so much that I didn't like who did it. I just, I could see him in that role. Okay. That's all. I, I like Brad Garrett. He shows up in some Pixar films. I know. He shows up in random things. So Yeah, he shows up in Tangled with a great scene. Yes. He has a dream. <laughs> For me, I, I had such a tough time with this that I'm going the humorous route. Terrence Howard plays the dad 
Uh, he's the father figure. And for no other reason than to complete the Disney Marvel thing, I'm recasting him with Don Cheadle. Because I just think it's funny. <laughs> we're, we're recasting War Machine, and now I'm going to recast him in Princess and the Frog. Just everywhere he appears in the Disney Cinematic Universe, I'm recasting him with Don Cheadle. <laughs> I don't even know if Don Cheadle can sing. I don't think it matters. Oh, he can. He can. Um, That's excellent, Ben. Yeah, he's in a couple. He's in a YouTube spoof. I don't think I can mention it on this podcast because <laughs> it's not um, it's not appropriate for work. But if you yes. Google like uh, Jimmy, no, yeah, Jimmy Kimmel, Ben Affleck, and Matt Damon, there's like two different videos for you to watch. The second one has John Don Cheadle. He is trying very hard to show off his vocal runs and. Um, I'm not a huge Don Cheadle fan, so I'm kind of a little like biased, but you know he's okay. He's right. an okay singer. He's good enough that he could have done it. <laughs> Best shots and or cinematic moment, Lizzie. I like the dance scene and almost there how they mm. cut to they kind of like blow up the picture that Tiana has and then show like her fantasy kind of come to life. I just think from an animation perspective, it was so unique because they could have easily had just kept with the traditional animation, but to expand on it and have it be done in such a unique artistic way. And it was really fun to watch. I mean, that song's already really fun and it was fun watching Tiana and her mom clean up the restaurant. But for me, that whole entire sequence really elevated that song to a completely new level for me. Excellent. Excellent. Sarah, what's your best shot? Um, so I kind of combined this and scene because with animation, I felt like they are kind of similar. And so I had almost there as well okay. with the animation and just the, what it did for the movie. Both. So okay. I tied them in together. All right. We'll leave it up to the guy to pick the romance scene, but I, <laughs> I am going with when they are in frog form, they're in the bayou, they're sharing a lily pad together. And Ray's starting to sing Mabel Evangeline. There are these pink flowers circling around him. It, it harkens back a lot to the Little Mermaid, I think. But there's just beautiful lights and accents around them. And so everything about that scene, he's Ray's singing to his love. They're falling in love. There's beautiful scenery. So I am feeling the love tonight. Wrong but movie. I'm, I'm going to reference all of them. I, I'm a fan, too. <laughs> best scene lizzie i think no matter how many times i prepare myself for it i've seen it many a time i know it's happening but i cannot help it every single time after ray dies and they have his little funeral and Mm. everybody celebrates that he becomes a little star right next to evangeline every single time i cry i can't help it i don't understand why it must just be because I love Bray so much, but just the idea that like everybody thought he was crazy to love that star. And then he dies and he goes up and he becomes a little star. And like, even last night I was watching it with my son and I'm like, look, look what's going to happen. And I'm just still, I get all choked up and (laughs) it's like the, it's like the grandma from Moana. It's like, no matter how many times I watch it, she's going to get to me. The stars are holding hands. And I I like that. It's a reference (laughs) to Lion King. I don't know if they were intentionally, but, uh, 
Timon says there are fireflies stuck up in the sky because Pumbaa says something like they're balls of gas. And he's like, that's ridiculous. Oh there are fireflies stuck up in the sky. Never thought about that. Oh, that is so sweet. I love that. I bring I bring the Disney facts. To you bring the facts. <laughs> yes, I'm impressed. All right, Sarah, your best scene? I, it's still yeah, almost there. Yeah, still almost there. Yeah. Almost there. I, <laughs> Sorry. Yes, it's worth repeating. It is. It, that song is repeated, too, so... My best scene is Friends on the Other Side. It's magic. Villain has the best song in a lot of movies. It's still true here. And yeah, I it to Lizzie's point earlier, it drives the plot, which is an extra bonus. It's not just villainous for the sake of villainy, but it is also an awesome song. Best wardrobe or makeup moment. Not so much makeup, but wardrobe here. Lizzie, what's your favorite? I liked... Tiana's entire outfit when Facilier is tempting her. So she's wearing this like gorgeous gown with like this diamond choker and her hair is kind of done in that traditional kind of way in which you think like Daisy from Great Gatsby, like with like that short bob yeah. mm-hmm. and with like the little headpiece and the big fur. And I just, she's so just, chic and gorgeous and it's like everything that you would want out of a 20s american princess and so i to me that was always something that stuck out for me that's excellent sarah i i kind of had trouble trying to think of this just because it's animated but i did just start thinking about all the (laughs) the opening scene where her mom's making the dress for her friend in um then it pans over and she's saying, <laughs> she's saying, I, I want this other dress. And it pans over to like 15 dresses yes. that her mom had made for her friend. And they're all gorgeous. It's just, it, it showed so many things, her mom's talent. And it showed, um, the spoiled brat yes. type of mentality, even <laughs> though, you know, she did have some redeeming qualities as a friend, later that we found that out but it, it really just said a lot of things in just one moment yeah and then she gets a puppy <laughs> that's right <laughs> i am consistent i am a hat guy brian fry is a suit guy so if there's a cool hat i'm probably gonna pick the hat and dr facilier has a cool hat i like everything about the outfit but that like stove top pipe purple hat does it for me so very cool Invoking Baron Samity. Awesome job. Change one thing. And we've talked about some things critics and the community at large has criticized. Lizzie, what are you changing? We talked about this a little bit already, but as I think everybody can gather how how much I love Facilier, I would have liked for them to have expanded a little bit more on Mm. him as a character. And same with his friends from the other side, the one hole in this story is it seems like his goal is to off the, you know, big daddy. And so I can't quite grasp what he wants with Naveen. Cause to me, it's, you know, like that scene from uh, Austin powers where, uh, you know, like Dr. Evil's, he just wants to go back in time to defeat Austin powers and, uh, his son is like, why don't you just go back in time? Like when he's in the bathroom and just right. like 
awesome like that. You know, like, why don't I just like make it simple? You're complicating it. And that's kind of my idea too, of like, what do you really want with Naveen? Cause like, if your goal is to get big daddy, just get big daddy. Like, why are you getting Naveen to turn into a frog to marry his daughter? And then like all the things like, so I would have liked a little bit more of an explanation on what his goal was with Naveen. But other than that, you know, I can't can't dog him too much. Zip it, Scott. Zip it. <laughs> Zip it. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what What are you changing, sir? Um, the one thing that bothered me a little bit was Tiana was a very driven girl, and 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 that's a great thing. That didn't bother me. What bothered me a little bit was that. Toward the end, it was almost turned like that was a bad thing that she was driven. I understand that it kind of blinded her to some things, but it almost made it sound like the drive in and of itself was bad mm. because that was what, you know, what she had to overcome to become back human. But the drive was still good and it came from good roots. And, and so to make that sound like it was a bad thing when that was what helped her achieve her dreams. You need that drive to push you forward to get get those big dreams like she had. And so a little more moderation. They, yeah. She still gets what she wants in moderation. I think right. I think the dad has the main the key to that of he never got his restaurant but he was fulfilled. Right. But, but I'm glad I'm glad she gets her cake and gets to eat it too. So. No, I I, right. I agree. It's just yeah. Yeah, for for me, I just want more Bayou characters. I feel like we get really shortchanged in just Lewis and Ray, and everyone has such big personalities. I want to meet more friends. Bring in, you probably can't do a raccoon or something. Bring in an, an opossum. There's there are things in the swamp that I want to meet and befriend. I am not content with alligators. You met a lot of fireflies. I did. I met a snake that didn't talk in Mama Odie's. I liked the snake. He was cool. There were birds involved, the native to New Orleans. But yeah, I I want a talking possum. This is <laughs> a possum. Okay, yes. a possum would have been a good one. I I agree. I think that I imagine like a possum with maybe like a straw hat. Yes. Or something. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Thank you for working with me. <laughs> Bail me out on that one. Best, best quote, Lizzie. I like the. It's from uh, friends on the other side. It's like you got what you wanted, but you lost what you had, mm. and um, I really like that because that really does kind of encapsulate Tiana's working real hard, but she's giving up having a personal life. And Naveen is all about being silly, but he's kind of giving up having depth. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's a good line. Excellent. Sarah, what's your best quote? I couldn't decide between two of them. Okay. I know there's three on the screen that you're looking at, but I'm picking two of those. <laughs> all right. Um, the one just for the humor um, of Lewis when he, He's talking to Ray on the when they just met Mama Odie. He goes, "You sure this is the right blind voodoo lady who lives in a boat in a tree in the bayou?" I wrote that down too. <laughs> that is a great line. <laughs> just, it's a great very line. Very specific. <laughs> and Ray's just like, "Yup." <laughs> I just like that one because of the the humor. Um, and then 
The other one is when Tiana's dad at the beginning is talking about his food and he says, you know, the thing about good food, it brings folks together from all walks of life. It warms them right up and puts little smiles on their faces. And when I open up my own restaurant, I tell you, people are going to line up for miles around just to taste my food, get a taste of my food. And I just love the, the thought of good food bringing people together. Um, I love I love to cook, and I, I always say that I, I love to cook for my family because I like to put a smile on their face. And um, when I think of family gatherings, I think of food. And, and so the fact that he's saying, you know, it brings people together, that just resonated with me. Very good. It's very true. I love that. I... Mine kind of needs a musical intro, but it's from Friends on the Other Side. You get the bum, 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 bum. And then they go, are you ready? And it's just this scream from all the mass. I, that comes up a lot for me. And it's, it changes tone because it, it goes from a dark thing for Naveen to a dark thing for Facilier when it comes back so it's the second part is pretty much are you ready to be dragged to hell or wherever wherever voodoo priests go so yeah that's my line and just that distinct bump 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 (laughs) love it right rating and recommendations zero to five stars it's that time half star increments lizzie what are you giving this movie that you praised I'm going to give it a solid four. I I think it is such a great, solid Disney movie. I think the music's great. The storyline's great. I, I Like I said, I wish that they would build a little bit on Facilier and kind of just give us a little bit more story behind his motive. But other than that, I mean, I think it's a really solid movie. Any kind of Disney fanatic has got to have it in their wheelhouse. Mm. All right, well, I'm looking at my favorite Disney fanatic. <laughs> How did you feel about Princess and the Frog? I think I'm I, I think I'm about the same, about a four. Um, it's a great movie, and I, I love all that it brings. It's just not in my upper, upper echelon of Disney, and I feel like you have to rate those all together as it's, a whole. It's almost there it's almost there but it's not quite it's just like it has it has things that like i quote or like and i love the music and stuff but it's not the music that i start humming mostly or that i know all the words to or you know or even that i know all the lines to the movie because there are some disney ones that i could i can quote you every single line in the movie Mm -hmm. and this While a great movie, it's not up there with those couple movies that I think of as spectacular. So okay, all right, you're you're keeping it out of that golden age pantheon, and that's that's fine. I feel like a lot of people, that's where it's landing for them. For me, and this is weird. I am handing out these ratings like candy right right now. This is not my mo. I'm going five stars. I really struggle to find high fault with this movie enough to dock it a star i think it deserves its place right alongside little mermaid aladdin lion king beauty and the beast those movies 
Now it can be top five. I, I think it's up there. Lilo and Stitch is still my favorite, but if if I'm being honest, it it's not on the same level as those type of movies. It's my favorite, but it's not. This, I think, deserves to be mentioned up there. So I, I hope I will stop giving out five stars. <laughs> <laughs> this is not my personality, but nevertheless, five stars for this movie. Absolutely love it. We are going to pick a movie for next time, though. Uh, see if I give five stars again, because I'm on the next podcast. Lizzie, do you want to help me pick a movie for next time? Sure. It's the most important meal of the day. Next week, we're going to cover a movie with the name Breakfast in the title. <laughs> so Really? Nice. Uh, option one, The Breakfast Club from 1985. Five high school students meet in Saturday detention and discover how they have a lot more in common than they thought. Option two, Breakfast at Tiffany's from 1961. A young New York socialite becomes interested in a young man who has moved into our apartment building, but her past threatens to get in the way. Or option three, Breakfast of Champions from 1999. A rich car dealer is losing his mind. His son lives in the bomb shelter. His wife, his suicidal wife has an affair with his transvestite sales manager. That is, it's a lot. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Since it's a podcast, you can't see me, but I have my fist in the air. (laughs) As in the very end of the movie, I got to go with the breakfast club. I think that's just, it's a total classic. Okay, we'll see if anyone has forgotten someone in Breakfast Club. Look forward to that episode. Thank you so much, Lizzie, for rejoining us. Thank you, Sarah, as well. Thank you, all the Lords, Ladies, and Knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable. We invite you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you. Subscribe, rate, review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts give us a like on facebook follow us on twitter at movie underscore retro email us at retro movie roundtable at yahoo.com producing and providing this podcast is fun but it's not free so we invite you to support the show at our patreon page patreon.com slash retro movie roundtable any contributions are much appreciated and go towards making the show better for you the listeners as always thank you for listening be good to each other and watch more movies lizzie A true hero isn't measured by the size of his strength, but by the strength of his heart. Hercules. Oh, yeah. You got to go with the Disney theme. (laughs) Excellent. Like.